Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. This, the goal of this podcast, like every episode, is to make you a better seller, make it so you can make some smarter decisions. And if we do our job right, tomorrow you will implement something that we talk about in this episode. Um, I come across <clears throat> a lot of people. There's so many people in this industry, in e-commerce and Amazon. And I'll be honest, I deflect most of them that want to come on the podcast. So um, that should at least give you uh, a little bit of a, of a teaser on some of the interesting things that we're going to talk about. I've got um, Tomer Rabinovich, who um, right now he's spending his Friday night with us because he is all the way over in Israel. And I'm super excited to uh, jump into his experience. You know, started uh, many years ago. He's written a book about selling on Amazon. And I know that like, you guys are going to get some nuggets. Tomer, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Scott. Very good to be here. All right. Shoot. Lots of questions. But first, um, I actually love your origin story. Um, what got you selling on Amazon in the first place? So how'd you start? Yeah, so I started with uh, ASM at the end of 2014, got my first product in Amazon in uh, March 2015, and it took off basically right away, uh, did around uh, 50k a month uh, pretty early on. Then I thought, okay, this is easy. I'm going to so launch a bunch. So yeah. ASM is Amazon selling machine, probably yeah. the most popular course of, of them all. Uh, yeah, I think maybe it changed like over the years, but I think definitely in 2014, 15, 16, I think that was like the major. Yeah, yeah. That. Private label focused and, you know, um, gave you methodology uh, into into the business, you know, gave you a lot of frameworks. And I, I was, you know, when we were talking, I asked you like, you know, what's still true about uh, what you learned in 2014? And uh, what's not? Yeah, so honestly, I don't know what's, what they're teaching now, right? I have no idea. But back then, what they were teaching is uh, basically like um, find a product between $15 to $60, light, uh, small, easy to ship, easy to source, uh, do small tweaks to it, and then launch it on Amazon. Then they went to sourcing, inventory management, PPC, and that was pretty much it. Like that's what most courses did. The courses didn't teach you what to do after a few product launches. And uh, I actually cover a lot of that in the book, but then it can all collapse on top of you if you don't have a team systems and processes to support yourself in the growth of your business. Yeah. Um, and uh, so why, why did you end up writing a book? So I try different things in terms of like I've done consulting for a lot of sales over the years. I've done events. And I tried to build, uh, so the event is called Top Dog Summit. We tried to build something called Top Dog Community. And I came to a realization that you cannot really do, you have, when you sell services, there are really two things you can do. You can either sell to the same audience, to the same people, different content all the time. So basically update the content every single time, like this podcast, right? You basically have an audience, the audience keeps growing, but you give them like more and more content over time. The other thing you can do is you can have, different clients and then sell them the same thing over and over again right yeah um so those are really the two things you can do what i realized is that i'm not good at new content all the time because i have my basics i have my foundation and how i do everything in this business 
And to me, that's like 90, 95% of success on Amazon. Well, yeah, I do think, you know, <laughs> there are some basic ideas that work, always will work, and people can complicate it. They can throw in like new random strategies, but it's like, oh, this, this isn't the most complicated like business to learn. Um, right. So what, yeah. I will, what, what I will just say is that why I wrote the book I realize that I'm very good at projects. Like if it has a beginning and an end, that's oh. where I shine. So that, that's why I like doing events. That's why I like uh, I've done masterminds for the past uh, four years now, taking four or five souls in small groups, seven, eight figure sellers, coaching them for four months at a time, giving them the same content, but around their brands. And then um, the book, like I thought when COVID hit, I thought I can do a podcast, I can write a blog, I can do YouTube, I can do all of those things, but I know myself and I know I'm not going to be consistent uh, throughout. I think starting a podcast is easy, but if you want to go for three years, as you know, that that's very difficult to do. So um, to me, like writing a book is obviously a massive project, it took me two years to complete, but now I'm done. <laughs> like I don't need to touch it anymore. So that, that's the real reason why I wrote a book and not yeah. did something else. No, I respect that. Um, so um, you're still selling on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and you did mention a little bit about your Top Dog uh, uh, event, which uh, you've done in Israel. And there was something really interesting that you've never really had sponsors for it. And let me tell you from someone, I, have I done any events? I've done like after party type events. And sponsors make it possible <laughs> from a financial perspective. Right. Um, it, it's it's not a uh, super lucrative uh, space to be in when, you know, if you're not getting any sponsorship money. So why, why do you not allow any sponsors? Yeah, so uh, I've been to a lot of different, I've been to every event in the industry. And when I started, I understood very early on, I have to go to events to learn from the best, right? And I thought the best are going to be the speakers. Now, the speakers in this industry are mostly service providers. They're not sellers, most of them, right? Most of them are not really selling on Amazon. And even if they are selling on Amazon, they also have services to offer, like myself, right? I started when I started speaking, I was just a seller. I didn't have anything to sell. It took me like two more years to start selling uh, services. Yeah. So I, I've been in that space. What's funny is I had a service to sell when I started this podcast. <clears throat> I actually exited that business and I probably went another year and a half with the podcast without anything to offer. And yeah. so, yeah, like I, it, it's definitely a different feeling when like when you are just like, you know, you're just, uh, there's an authenticity to uh, sellers speaking to other sellers. Right. right. But what I will say is that that kind of forced me to charge more. So we charge like $3,000 for the event, which is not massive. Like other events we aim for no. seven, eight figure sellers. And uh, money-wise, like it's not profitable. Like it doesn't make a lot of money no. to my pocket, but I think the best events, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but the best events are the ones that the money is not the goal. Like if the money is the goal out of the event, usually it's gonna hurt the content. It's gonna hurt like the actual event. If you look at conferences out there that are all about making money off of it, then they run into problems and sort of like returning customers and stuff like that. We had in our event, all of the speakers and all of the attendees are just sellers. We don't allow service writers to, to attend or speak at the event. So we even had speakers that were speakers one year, the next year they're paid full price and come as attendees. And we had uh, between 30 to 50% um, coming back every single year. So 
I mean, and we never advertised it uh, widely or anything. We never done like, I don't know, email blasts about it too much. Like it was just, uh, and it's usually a small event. Last event, I think we were like 80 people total. So um, we try to keep it small and intimate and then everyone knows everyone by the end of the event. We also do uh, everything different uh, in our event uh, compared to other events. It's not just lectures, it's a lot of networking, brainstorming, <clears throat> table discussions and so on. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you really like to simplify things uh, in the steps that like, you know, it takes to run an Amazon business. Uh, uh, can you expand on that? And like, where are people complicating things? Yeah, I think uh, Amazon sales tend to complicate everything. And I think I made every single mistake in the book myself, trying to overcomplicate everything myself. So I think sellers, <clears throat> when it comes to- oh, I'm sure, that I'll, I hate yeah. saying this about myself. I'm sure like sometimes my podcast like <laughs> has contributed to the complicating of things where we like, <laughs> you know, maybe we don't get to like the the core of- uh, something right. like what you what you need so, to worry about and what you don't need to worry about. So there's yeah, a lot of give, there's yeah. a lot of noise. Sorry, I, I was just yeah, there is a, myself. A, a lot of noise. Definitely a lot of noise. One of the things they say in the mastermind very early on with having new group is that it's not just telling you what I think you should do. It's also telling you what you shouldn't do and what you shouldn't waste your time and resources on. So one of the things that they see over and over and over again when someone hits high six figures or early seven figures, they think I should go Shopify or I should go retail or I should expand to Europe with my business or whatever it may be. Now, the biggest sellers that I know in this industry, and I'm sure you know them as well, uh, eight, even nine figure sellers, 90% of them or 99% of them are on Amazon. Uh, and for the most part, like amazon.com is like their main driver in terms of revenue and profit. So I'm not saying it's... and. and even in my event, I honestly tried to find a seller that started on Amazon, got to seven figures or eight figures, and then launched a Shopify store. And now that's 30% of their revenue. I couldn't find a single seller that did that. Like, I think it's very difficult to do. And I also think that a lot of it is because Amazon and Shopify are almost like two different business models in terms of which products you go for, um, products launch differentiation and, and so on, the things that work on both. So I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm saying that a lot of gurus out there, a lot of experts, so-called experts are telling you, you should expand to Shopify. You should uh, do whatever, you know, like, and, and I get that. I think a lot of it is um, for some brands, obviously it makes sense, but for a lot of them, it doesn't. And um, yeah, that, that's uh, what I will say. So I will say like what I tell sellers is just focus on Amazon. Also, I try to keep my life as simple as I can. I have three small kids. I uh, try to spend a lot of time with them. I'm um, from 3.30 p.m. until 9 p.m. I'm just with my kids. Then in the evenings, I'm usually with my wife besides like twice a week that I'm doing uh, consulting in the evening. But that's it. Like the rest, I, I just try to simplify my life and not overcomplicate it, but complicating my business, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, let's see. I mean, there's a there, there's obviously a lot there because like, you know, we could talk about product research. I, I do know that it's one thing that, you know, you have a product selection methodology and I, it, it can be very easy to like, to chase uh, squirrels or like whatever, like just like grabs your attention. What are some of the basics um, if say you're choosing your first product or if you're choosing your 50th product that uh, 
you, you advise people on and uh, yeah. Yeah, so the first product, you can do something similar to what ASM used to teach. I don't know, again, what everyone is teaching now, but if you find something that is simple enough to launch, you can just launch it to kind of understand how everything works. And I can promise you it's going to be very different. In the book, I told a story about this guy who worked for two years for these perfect uh, Caesars to launch them on Amazon. And he started like a year, he did ASM a year before I did. I launched my product before him. He launched his product like, it took him a long time to launch it. It failed, and then he stopped selling on Amazon. And he knew everything. He knew like everything about it before going into it. You know, he was like a perfectionist. He just wanted to know everything before jumping in. And I think that is really difficult. Like once you build and build and build all of that expectation, then it doesn't work. Then uh, that that's probably a bad idea. Wait, yeah, I forgot. I forgot well, your question. Well, I, well, um, your, your bit of advice there was like, just to basically just like jump in. And... Yeah, jump in. So what I will say is that's the first product. But for the rest of the products, what I would say is you have to look for products where no one else is looking. So if you are doing the same model as everyone else, like 15 to $6, cheap light and so on, that's where everyone is looking. So if you do find that perfect product, by the time you launch it, you're going to have 50 or 100 new competitors selling the same thing. So There's... what I do instead is I look for uh, different products. So I look for either expensive or heavy or very cheap, or uh, we have products that require FDA approval. We have products that are electronic. We have so many different products that most sellers don't want to touch, right? Because they are too risky. But what we do is we fight in the sourcing and product development part, and then we don't need to fight every day on Amazon once we start selling. So that's my recommendation to everyone who is already selling right now. That shouldn't be your first product probably. But once you do get how everything works, those are definitely the products you should go for. Interesting. Yeah, it's those, <clears throat> you know, if you could find something that isn't basic, you know, that isn't what like everyone's deciding to do, but you figure out how to master the complicated parts. You're like, oh, I could like solve this electronics. I can actually jump this hoop. There's less competition. Right. Or let's say, let's say we find a really good product, then we go to Alibaba and it doesn't exist, right? We cannot find anywhere. Like then I'm excited. Then I'm like, okay, this is actually like a bit more difficult to source. Let's use our sourcing agents. Let's <clears throat> kind of hustle and try to find that supplier that actually can do this. Maybe not even in China, maybe go to like, so, I mean, that's where, when I see barriers of entry in terms of sourcing, that's when I'm getting excited because I know not a lot of sales are going to go through all the hoops to kind of launch that yeah. product. You said something like, I could like compare this in so many ways, but I think it actually is at the heart of what makes a good entrepreneur is uh, jumping in and getting your hands dirty fast. That's more important than like reading 20 books, uh, you know, mastering every little thing. And, yeah. and here, here, honestly, here, I think perfectionism just means fear, right? That, that's um, all it is. And I'm going to make this, uh, bear with me. This is a, uh, an interesting uh, way to do it. what I've been studying and like listening to. Like when I get tired of like business stuff, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. I've been uh, doing some more history um, and most of like uh, the best generals of all time um, when you're talking like Napoleon, Alexander, uh, the Great, and like Julius Caesar, what, what they have in common is they actually moved and marched their armies fast. Every single one of them, they they would prioritize being fast and uh, you know get a quick skirmish, see exactly what like they're going up against. 
before like, you know, some like master plan, some like uh, strategy or whatever. And because you kind of need that. And like, that, that, that's so true for entrepreneurs. You need that experience. You need to like, you know, see how things can like break on you. Uh, what mistakes look like you, when you are actually selling the product, you learn so much faster than if someone's telling you something. Yeah. And also you can be planning for two years and it's going to be completely different than what you thought it will be anyway. So yeah. it doesn't even help planning it out. So yeah. Speaks with lots of sellers. They can see like, you know, what, uh, what the best ones are doing. And then like, what are the, like the, the common mistakes? You, you consult a lot of people that are going towards an exit. Um, and what are the, the common uh, mistakes that you see that you're like, well, if you would have just like thought about this like six months ago, a year ago, you'd be in a way better spot now. I think one of the main things that sellers don't tend to do is kind of zoom out and look at the, their business on the macro level as if they just bought their business today. And what are the first things that they will do to double or triple their business? I think a lot of uh, sellers are just kind of running with the flow. Uh, and I see this all the time. I see sellers that are still kind of launching product, like seven, eight figure sellers still launching products that are making them five, 10K a month in sales. And I'm like, why are you still doing that? Why aren't you going after bigger things you can afford to? You can go after like bigger fish out there and that will definitely improve your multiple uh, if you launch like 50 common products, right? So, I mean, that that's one thing. And even if you take like consultants, they usually take like a PPC consultant or a listing optimization consultant or uh, a new fight forwarder or whatever. So those are fine, but you don't really have someone that kind of looks at everything and what can be done overall in your business. So I'll give maybe one one quick, uh, one quick thing here um, uh, or maybe maybe a few, but if we think about um, even optimizing for cash flow, right? Uh, sellers were taught over time or figured out over time that they should uh, negotiate with a supplier to get better terms. So that means I'll pay my supplier 30 days after the goods get to Amazon or 90 days after goods get to Amazon. That's great if you are uh, if you have cash flow restraints. But once you get to a certain point, maybe you have a lot of cash in the bank. And what you should do in that case, and if you want to exit at some point, you should actually uh, negotiate with your supplier for profit and not for cash flow. What I mean by that is imagine that I tell my supplier, hey, I'll pay you 70-30 instead of 30-70, or I'll pay you 100% in advance, and I want a discount, right? And if I tell them I pay 100% in advance, trust me, they're going to give like a 5 or 10% discount like immediately. Very easy to get. And if you have some very cheap products uh, or that are, um, that are very good in terms of cash flow, very quick turnover, that can be, be very easy for you to manage. I'm not saying like do that with new products, obviously, but suppose you've all, already been working with for a long time, you can just ask them for uh, better, like better terms in terms of profit and also help them in the process and they will reward you for it with a discount. And if you get, um, let's say, I don't know, 20 cents off on $1 product or $2 product, that's, uh, that's significant if you sell a few hundred units a day and every dollar that you save on your cogs, let's say that can be four or five extra dollars in your exit. I've actually, yeah, I've never, um, I've done something slightly similar, but I've never heard it in that context of just like, <clears throat> you know, moving away from terms to going like cash up front for a discount. 
I've actually, right. what, what we've done. Uh, so my first Amazon business was, uh, uh, we worked with a lot with like, we did a lot of reselling um, wholesale and distributors where we had huge, they had huge catalogs. And we said like, hey, here's our PO. If, if the prices that you give us are the prices that like we pay, here's our PO. If you give us a 5% discount, here's our PO. If you give us a 10% discount and each of them were just bigger and bigger. And, you know, if we're optimizing for profit, like that is a really uh, clear way. And, and it actually puts the, the decision in their court that they're like, Oh, I understand. Um, and they can, you know, they can make their own optimization. Do they like, do they want to move through a lot of product or do they uh, want a better margin? Right. And we have like uh, in the, in that program where we help sellers kind of scale towards next, we have a seller doing 3 million a year, never thought about this concept. And then they saved like tens of thousands of dollars just by doing this one thing with some of their like main suppliers. Oh, so it's like, it, it's crazy, you know, on what, on what you can get. And if you show your supplier, look, this is how much, how many units we're going to order in the next six to 12 months from you based on last year, we'll pay you 10% in advance for the entire year. Right. I mean, that's crazy to them. And also, what do you think will happen in Chinese New Year's where they're packed? Who do you think they, they really want to help, right? <laughs> Once they're like uh, pressured and like to the corner, who do you think they're going to go to? To the guy who pays them up front, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it helps in so many ways. And uh, the way we approach it to, to our suppliers was to tell them, look, you are our partner. We don't want to fight with you. We are not like a, a lot of sellers. It feels like they're kind of heads to heads with a supplier trying to get like discounts or better terms or whatever. It's uh, it's your partner, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. You know, it's that kind of transparent uh, uh, communications that I don't know, allows people to work together in a, in a win-win situation. Um, yeah. Well, um, I've got one question for you. Uh, it's a little, could give me a little nerdy, a little technical, or it could be very simple. Um, what is the most important tool that you use uh, in your business, that uh, it could be anything you want. Like I don't care, even if it's even if it's Gmail. If you say Gmail is like the 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 best uh, tool, because um, I'm I'm a software developer. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, I've been developing tools for Amazon sellers for a while, mm -hmm. and like always love to hear about anything. Like it doesn't have to be related to Amazon. Yeah. So honestly, I don't want to give the best tool because that's going to be like Gmail or Slack or whatever, right? So that right. those tools are probably familiar by most sellers, but I would say one tool that many people don't know about, which is called Rumbox, rumbox.pro. Uh, it's uh, similar to Shift. If you know Shift, uh, basically you can put all of your communications in one single tool. I what, have what, multiple- how, how do you spell it again? Round? R-A-M-Box, B-O-X. So uh, R-A-M-B-O-X.pro. So that tool basically has uh, multiple SAC channels on it, multiple Gmails on it, my WhatsApp on it, calendar and so on. And I can basically manage like, and what I like about it is that they can put it on like do not disturb. And then I don't need like a lot of tabs open for everything that I'm working on. So um, if, I'm, if I'm working, I can, <laughs> this is another tip for everyone. If you're working on something, work just on that, like close everything else. And just work on that one thing at a time and don't, don't okay. multitask. It doesn't yeah, exist. yeah, yeah. So this is a productivity communication kind of tool that looks looks, yeah. looks, looks pretty good. Um, looks like they also, I found it on rambox.app. They, they, maybe they bought two domains. Maybe, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> that That's cool. Um, thank you so much. So um, if people want to, uh, 
you know, learn more. What's the name of your book again? Ride the Amazon Wave. Ride the Amazon Wave. When did you come out with it? Uh, in, I don't know when it was the podcast. I think it was um, July, August, somewhere around that July, August. Okay, so it's hot off the press, uh, two months yeah. at yeah. most. Um, and if people want to learn more about, you know, your events, uh, your community, um, what, what website can they, uh, jump to? Yeah. So they can go to jointopdog.com. Uh, they can also obviously email me tomer at jointopdog.com, or they can go to LinkedIn or Facebook and just message me anytime. Honestly, I'm just always willing to help sellers. I've done over a thousand calls by now, one-on-one -on -one calls with sellers for free. I'm not charging anything wow. for that. I just like talking to sellers, helping them out with their businesses. I do a few of those a week uh, at this point. So I, I'm just really happy to get to know more sellers. And that's how I learn as well from everyone. So I, yeah. I, I have followed us. That's kind of the reason this podcast in some ways is I yeah. get to learn. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. um, I love that. It's very generous. And I actually bet you someone's going to take you up on it. It's not uncommon in this podcast. Like I, we do have a few thousand listeners that like, you know, I, I get some people that come on, they're like, oh my goodness, your listeners were the best. They are the best. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so guys, take them up on this and get, get someone's uh, perspective on the big picture of your business. So that's uh, jointopdog.com. Well, thank you so much, Tomer, for coming on. Um, I think there was a lot of uh, value in this. And actually my favorite was like the financial engineering that you can do at the end, which you know could, could have been a podcast of its own. Well, there are a lot more. There are like 40, 50 different things that we do once we kind of take on a business. That's just one of those, but there are a lot more that can be done. I love it. Well, um, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, everyone uh, that's listening, uh, uh, stay tuned. Uh, next week, we've got some, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more happy about the podcast that, that we were putting together. And uh, so hopefully you have a good week of selling and a good Q4. Take care. One, two, three. Yeah.